This change of plans greatly upset Jonah, and he became very angry. That's our theme verse from Jonah 4, verse 1, for this week's Brookwood Church Sunday Message Podcast. Senior Pastor Perry Duggar continues our series running from God with this week's episode titled Resentment. If you want to watch the video of this week's message, listen to worship, or search through our message archives, visit brookwoodchurch.org slash watch or download the Brookwood Church app. We pray this message encourages you today and your walk with Christ. Do our rebel hearts belong to God? You know, the purpose of this series, which I conclude today, has been for us to not just see how Jonah behaved, but to see how we resist, rebel, and run away from God and, to, and avoid His will. But also, the subtext here is how do we treat others? What is our attitude toward others that we identify as different from us? Today, I conclude this series, which I call running from God on the book of Jonah. And the title to today's message is resentment. Now, none of you need this message, right? The laugh started in the back. So I like (laughs) a simple definition of resentment is anger from a feeling of having been wronged. Anybody in this room think they've ever been wronged? I thought I was being snatched. (laughs) The gong show is rerun. Let me say that again. Do you think you've ever been wronged? Did resentment result? And is resentment boiling within you today? The background for today's message which we'll focus on Jonah chapter four, but the background comes from chapter three. And it says this, chapter three at verse 10, the very last verse, when God saw what they had done, and remember last week, they, after hearing the, really the the message of judgment, they fasted, repented, put on scratchy clothes and prayed. And so when God saw what they had done and how they had put a stop to their evil ways, he changed his mind and did not carry out the destruction he had threatened. Now, the theme verse for this week is the very next verse, the beginning verse of today's chapter. This change of plans greatly upset Jonah, and he became very angry. So who does Jonah resent? He resents God. He also resents these Ninevites. Well, do you feel resentment toward God? It might be hard to acknowledge it. It could even be hard to recognize it. But do we feel resentment toward God or toward anyone else? And how do you express it? You know, some of us think that we keep those things hidden, don't we? I can assure you we don't. They come out in some way. They spill out. Sometimes they only do physical damage to us by having it bottled up inside. 
but usually it spills out on others in moments that we are weak or irritated or fearful. So we're going to look at several things, several characteristics of resentment. First, resentment results from disagreement with God. Chapter 4, verse 1. And this change of plans greatly upset Jonah. And he became very angry. So he complained to the Lord about it. Didn't I say before I left home that you would do this, Lord? And that is why I ran away to Tarshish. Now, what's Jonah doing here? Who's he trying to justify? Himself. He's actually trying to justify his disobedience of God's direction. And he's trying to justify it to himself. He's also trying to justify it to God. Now, in our cultural expression, it would sound like this. You caused this. You made me do this. Anybody ever said that? Anybody ever heard that said to you? Well, this is exactly what Jonah is doing. He's not taking any responsibility. He's blaming it all on God. You caused this. Now, did Jonah know God? Yes. Yeah, I think he did. He knew God's character. He, he had served God and seen God operate in many different situations. And so he continues. I knew that you are a merciful and compassionate God, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. You are eager to turn back from destroying people. Now, was, was he complimenting God? He's criticizing God. So he's taking these attributes of God and he's actually using them as criticism. It's like this. Have y'all ever heard this said or said it yourself? You are too nice to some people. Anybody ever heard that? You let people take advantage of you. God did what Jonah knew he would do. God showed mercy to these evil Ninevites. There's no argument that these people weren't evil, is there? And Jonah didn't like it. And Jonah didn't agree with it. In fact, he felt like God betrayed him. You ever felt let down by God? Disappointed by God? Betrayed by God? Now, these were people who had attacked Israel. They had overpowered them. They dominated them. They committed cruel and violent acts. I won't describe them, but they're despicable, cruel, awful acts. So because Jonah had been, and his people, you see, had been subjugated to these Ninevites who were Assyrians, he knew that, that Israel couldn't defeat these people. So he wanted God to defeat them. 
And he was upset when God forgave them. And so Jonah arrogantly declared at verse 3, just kill me now, Lord. I'd rather be dead than alive if what I predicted will not happen. Who thinks Jonah wants God to kill him? Nobody does. So what's he saying? What's he doing? Well, he's mad, but what's he trying to achieve? You got to say it. You got to lower your mask when you say it. He's really threatening God in a way, isn't he? He's trying to manipulate God. You said it, didn't you? I saw. <laughs> He's trying to hurt God. You ever tried to hurt God because of something that had happened in your life that you attributed to his, his responsibility? Yeah. I don't think Jonah wanted God to kill him. I just think he was so bitter, he was so resentful that he wanted to hurt God. He wanted to manipulate God with this shocking statement. Why do I think that? Well, any of you ever had a child, a teenager, particularly in that range of time, who is displeased with you and says something like, I wish I wasn't alive. Life's not worth living. And that's, that's really one of the most threatening things a child can say to a parent. But it's also one of the most threatening things a child of God can say to his or her heavenly father. It's, it's rank manipulation. Why was he so angry? Well, because he despised these people. He feared them as well. They're both there, see? Fear may be a stronger motivator than, than anger or, 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 being, or despising them. You see what I'm saying? Because the fear, he knows these people always defeat Israel. And so... He, he hated and he feared these cruel, idolatrous Assyrian, remember to their Gentiles. So you see, he did not mind at all preaching judgment against them, which he did in Jonah 1-2, also referenced in Jonah 3-2. But he knew if God forgave them, he, Jonah, would be humiliated. See, he's really irritated that God sent him to this city with a message that God never intended to fulfill. And so Jonah felt betrayed, exploited, taken advantage of by God. Furthermore, when the people in Israel heard about this, it would damage Jonah's reputation. He might be called a false prophet or even a traitor by Jewish friends. And see if Jonah defended himself and he said, look, I wanted him to kill these people. 
then they would recognize how little control Jonah had over God. You say, well, of course Jonah didn't have any control over God. But is that what he wanted people to think? Is that how he was regarded by others? See, Jonah thought he should not be used however God wanted to use him. He thought God should have more respect for his status as a prominent prophet. There weren't that many prophets that spoke for God. God spoke directly to them and they spoke to the kings and also to the people. There weren't that many of them. So what do y'all see working in Jonah? What do we call this? You got to say it louder or clearer. I didn't hear it yet. Pride. 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 Who thinks pride destroys and damages every relationship that it lands in? Including our relationship with God. Is there any place for pride between us and God? Mm -mm. Jonah 4, 4, the Lord replied, is it right for you to be angry about this? See, God is asking Jonah to, now, now slow down and think a minute what you're saying. Examine your attitude. Discover why are you so angry? It's interesting. This is a good pattern for parenting, isn't it? Not that any of you had a, ever had an out-of-control teenager. Or child, young, small child. Excellent questions. Why, what are you feeling? Why do you feel this way? Excellent, excellent, excellent. Ask questions before you discipline, before you respond. What are you feeling? Why do you feel this way? He wanted... Jonah to examine what he was feeling and to reflect on whether that feeling was right. Does God ever ask you questions? Anybody ever have God ask them questions? I do. Does God know the answers? Well, yeah. God never asks questions he doesn't know the answers to. He asks questions he wants us to know the answers to. And see, when you're angry, when you're hurt, when you're afraid, you're on autopilot. You're not doing much reflection. And so God is saying, is your attitude right? Well, what is God asking you right now? What does he want you to see in yourself?
See, Jonah's missing a major essential in a relationship with God. You know what that is? He's in charge. And it doesn't vary from that. He's always in charge. What God does is right. And he's not asking our opinion. And we must accommodate ourselves to his will. Not try to make him conform to ours. If you ever get that clear in your mind, your relationship with God will get so much smoother. Doesn't mean you won't have issues. Doesn't mean you still won't have problems. But if we ever understand what God does is right, as Scripture says, let God be true and every man a liar, every woman a liar. God is always right. See, Jonah saw Nineveh as a dangerous enemy to destroy, not as a desperate people in need of faith and forgiveness. He didn't see them as people who needed to know the Lord in a saving way. Don't raise your hand, don't acknowledge it, but think about this. Who do you despise? Who do you think are your enemies? Someone of a different status, a different race, a different political party, a different, who are your enemies? And when we think of those that we imagine are our adversaries, do we think of their need for forgiveness and faith or do we just want God to grind them into dust? Isn't that what Jonah wanted? Our nation is divided in ways that, goodness, in some ways more than even when we saw what we saw in the 60s, those of us who have been here a long time. I don't know that it's Worse, but there, it's like there's more fracture lines than there ever were. And are we thinking, Lord, how can you destroy those that are different than me? Or are we, think, are we praying, God, will you save? Will you change my mind? Will you save them, change their minds? So that we both seek your mind. Jonah resented God because God did not do what Jonah wanted him to do. Right now in your life, is there something going on in your circumstances, in your situation, which if, if, you're, if you belong to God, then God's hand is in every situation. Do you believe that? So is God doing something in your life right now that you disagree with?
Resentment also results from a determination to selfishness or to be selfish. Verse five. Then Jonah went to the east side of the city and made a shelter to sit under as he waited to see what would happen to the city. That, that's very interesting, isn't it? Because what that implies is what? Y'all are probably all saying it correctly, but I can't hear, understand through those masks. That he may have changed God's mind. Boy, Jonah is so egocentric, isn't he? So Jonah has abandoned his ministry assignment, hasn't he? He left the city, made a shelter. I don't know, palm fronds, some shrubs, whatever. He sat down then to watch whether his argument with God had worked. And whether God would bring destruction. Remember, he told God, he said, God, kill me if you're not going to do what I want you to do. If you're not going to do what I predicted. Now, Jonah could have remained in the city, don't you think? I mean, the people, we don't know if there were exceptions to it, but, but the way the text is written, the whole city repented and prayed. So he could have gone back and celebrated with the Ninevites their newfound faith. And then he could have instructed them about the true God. I think they would have welcomed his instruction. I think they would have offered him a place to stay. But he wanted no part of it. He despised these people. And he preferred them destroyed, not forgiven. See, again, Jonah cared about his own will, his own plans, not God's. He was so selfish, so self-centered, that he cared nothing about the potential suffering of these people. So he sat and watched and angrily brooded. And verse six says, and the Lord arranged for a leafy plant. The Hebrew indicates it's a gourd to grow there. And soon it spread its broad leaves over Jonah's head, shading him from the sun. This eased his discomfort. And Jonah was very grateful for the plant. The Hebrew more literally said, it cheered him up, which I think is, 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 gives you more insight into him. 
because being grateful, anybody would be grateful. But the fact that he was cheered up by this shade. God knew Jonah was hot, sweaty, uncomfortable, angry in his little shelter. And so God provided some comfort to his pouting prophet by growing this leafy plant to provide shade. God tried to use kindness to soften his stubborn heart so he would repent. And this break from the sun and the heat improved his mood. But he just settled into his selfish stubbornness again. Still certain that he was right about these people deserving destruction. When kindness did not soften his surly, stubborn heart, God used a different tactic. Verse 7. But God also arranged for a worm. See, God can manage his creation just as he did the fish. Now he sends a worm. The next morning at dawn, the worm ate through the stem of the plant so that it withered away. And as the sun grew hot, God arranged for a scorching east wind, a shirako, to blow on Jonah. So he removed the shade. He sent a hot wind instead. Now think about your Jonah. It is blazing hot. This is modern day Turkey. It's hot. It's a desert. So he's sweating. And this wind is blowing the sand. And this sand is sticking to him. And he's just getting grimy and miserable. As my mother would used to say, gosh, you're just nasty. You need a bath, something terrible. And so, I think God does this with us. God does love us. And he often begins kindly, gently, to persuade us to repent, to change our thinking. But if we refuse, he is capable of using more uncomfortable, even painful discipline. Hebrews 11 tells us that. Do you think Jonah rethought his attitude and his actions? Do you? 
Come on, John, did he, did he change? See, some of y'all are scared to answer to you. Read it first. No, I want you to think, okay, God's doing this. Did he change? So we continue. The sun beat down on his head until he grew faint and wished to die. And then he says again, death is certainly better than living like this. Look at what a minor thing, again, has set him off. You notice how when you're upset with God, when you have resentment toward God or toward someone, it takes very little to set you off, does it? You're mad about everything. You're mad at other drivers. You're mad at somebody who's too slow in line. You're mad at the the waitress didn't get the unsweetened tea when you asked for sweetened tea. You're just mad at everything because resentment fills you up and colors everything negatively. Jonah here again declares he'd rather die than change his mind about God and the Ninevites. Again, Jonah wanted his will carried out, not God's. And he would rather perish then repent. Is selfishness, self-centeredness causing you to refuse what you know God wants from you? Right now, do you know God's pushing you and you are just like Jonah sitting under a shelter sweating with sand blowing in your face and you're saying I'd rather die than repent. I'd rather die than change my mind. Resentment results also from disdain for others. Verse 9. Then God said to Jonah, Is it right for you to be angry because the plant died? Yes, Jonah retorted, even angry enough to die. It, it's just... You know, when you listen to Jonah, you think, he's a child. He repeatedly threatens death. Though we don't believe he wants to die. It's just the, it's just the harshest thing he can think to say to God. I think in our culture, the harshest thing you can say to God beyond this is I don't believe you exist. I'll tell you this, when hard times have come, when threatening times have come, I haven't been able to find anyone. Atheists are hard to find in crises. Because you know what? Every one of us knows in our heart that God exists. Now we can declare he doesn't, but that's really... 
That's really rebellion. It's an angry Jonah who's mad about something. And it's just the most outrageous thing they can declare. So Jonah repeatedly threatens death. And here's what he's doing. He's really devaluing his life. He's minimizing his service for for God. He's really even minimizing his relationship to God. You know this, particularly you moms, when you've had an outraged teenager who says, I wish I, could, I, wish I wasn't even living. It's like an attack because you're thinking, but, but, but I love you and we have relationship and does none of that matter? Well, this is the same thing going on here. You see, it's the same thing. Because God wouldn't do what what Jonah wanted him to do. It goes back to that over and over and over. Jonah wants to be God. Verse 10, then the Lord said, you feel sorry about the plant, though you did nothing to put it there. It came quickly. It died quickly. But Nineveh has more than 120,000 people living in spiritual darkness. I prefer a more literal translation of that. The Hebrew literally says people who don't know their right hand from their left. Not to mention all the animals. The people who couldn't discern their right hand from their left You can make an argument that it's all ages of people who are just spiritually ignorant, unaware of God, but but almost all agree that it certainly includes or may specifically point to small children. So whichever one you're comfortable with, I'm okay with, but it it, it at least includes small children And if there were 120,000 small children, infants, or very young children in Nineveh, then the city population would have been over 600,000, undoubtedly. And then God asked, shouldn't I feel sorry for such a great city? See, God didn't try to convince Jonah that these adults in Nineveh who had done Sinful things deserve mercy. He didn't even make that argument. He says, but what about the people who are spiritually ignorant? What about the small children? What about innocent animals? Do you care nothing about their lives? And how could a man who cared so much about a plant not care about children or even animals? We know Jesus has a special concern for children. He, he loved them. He said, let the children come to me in Mark chapter 10. But whether children or adults, all of these Ninevites needed to experience the grace of God. Did they deserve it? 
Did they deserve it? No, you can't deserve grace. You can't earn mercy. That's why it's grace. And so God was trying to draw out of Jonah some compassion for others. And so far, it is not there, is it? Jonah cared more about a gourd that died because it made him less comfortable personally than people who would perish and live eternally apart from God. Do we care? Are we consumed with our personal convenience? Or are we concerned about people who need to know God? You know, we're being told during this weird time we're living in that many people are struggling with loneliness, fear, isolation. Do we care? Are we only concerned with our own lifestyle? Whether our life is comfortable? Or are we concerned about others who need to know the grace of God? This might be an opportunity for revival in our land. Some people are saying revival is breaking out. I don't see revival breaking out yet. I think it will break out on the heels of our prayers and our efforts and our concern for those. And I think God may be waiting to see whether we are going to be concerned about those who happen to be on the other side of the fault line that we've drawn. The ones that don't look like us, don't vote like us, don't talk like us, don't like us. Are we going to be concerned about those people that we see as different? Racially, politically, socially. Jonah's all about that, isn't it? He doesn't see people made in the image of God that need the grace of God. He draws all kinds of lines of separation. And God says, well, what about even the animals and the infants? Jonah still had a problem with the will of God. He obeyed, he went to Nineveh, but his heart wasn't surrendered to the Lord. He brought an entire city to faith in God, but he didn't love the people he was preaching to. He certainly wouldn't forgive them. Jonah thought he knew God, and in many ways he did. 
but he did not understand God's compassion for the lost, for the perishing. And that compassion extends to each of us. John 3.16 says this, For God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. You can have eternal life. It's offered to you today. And if you've received it before, are you spreading it? Are you spreading it? Care volunteers will be here to pray with you, to talk with you. They'll also be in the care connection room across the concourse. To the online congregation, you can push request prayer and you can express your decisions or your prayer concerns and we certainly would lift them up to God. I think you see that the, the book of Jonah does not end well, don't you? Did he ever change? I think he did because the evidence is he authored the book and he left it as an example for all of us to avoid. Let's don't copy Jonah. Let's reach some Ninevites. Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, help us to not be a self-focused, self-consumed people. But God, show us those that we may regard as enemies, as different, who are the people that you want us to be messengers of grace. Lord, open the door that we might spread your good news. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Thank you for coming. Thanks for joining us for this week's message. Here's a recommended resource. It's the book from Samuel C. Williamson titled Hearing God in Conversation. Here's our memory verse this week. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 4. For we speak as messengers approved by God to be entrusted with the good news. Our purpose is to please God, not people. He alone examines the motives of our hearts. At Brookwood, we want to help you pursue a relationship with Jesus so that you can experience a transformed life. One way you can do this is by getting connected at Brookwood. Please email us, connections at brookwoodchurch.org or call 864-688-8326 to speak to someone on our connections team. Thanks for joining us and have a great week.